Welcome to a special edition of Spin Class. We are at the 2013 APAC Policy Conference, and we are doing a number of interviews from around the conference, different people, students, professionals, and just general attendees. All the same, they are coming together to support Israel and for political activism. It's important to hear what they have to say, and it's important to understand what motivates them to take a couple days off from their schedule to go ahead and support the Jewish people, because really, essentially, that's what it boils down to. Supporting Israel is about supporting Jews elsewhere and showing a certain amount of aftus and certain uh, certain amount of solidarity together with Jews worldwide. Welcome to Spin Class. We're here at the APAC 2013 Policy Conference and with Judith Frankel, our wonderful intern from Los Angeles, California, and Stern College for Women. Judith, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I don't know. I apologize for having to welcome you. It's kind of like you know, welcoming, yeah, don't welcoming don't family. Don't belong here? Exactly. Exactly. So, Judith, uh, this is day two of APAC. Tell us what's been going on. I think it's been a really uh, different than last year, but really rewarding experience. How so? What do you mean by different? Well, I think last year, because the race was going on, there was a lot more campaigning. Not intentionally, of mm -hmm. course, but underrated, you know, behind-the-scenes campaigning going on. People making statements that were a bit more uh, extreme, a bit more powerful. And now, you know, it's not... Israel might have been more of a partisan wedge issue. Exactly. And this year, it's a lot more about innovation, scientific... You know, there was all sorts of cool shows going on. It was about the culture, the arts, performances, and less about actual policy that's going to be happening. But aren't we here for policy? Aren't we here to lobby on behalf? behalf of Israel? Isn't that the idea, that people are gathered here, 12,000 strong, to lobby on behalf of Israel? So what's the agenda? Uh, I don't know if I would say that. I think that's definitely part of it. But I think another... So it's more of a celebration than a... No, I don't think it's a celebration. I think it's uh, getting people excited, getting people relating to Israel. Not very many people. A lot of people here can relate to Israel. A lot of people know about Israel. Not everyone does. Not everyone here knows what's going on. There are a lot of people. I know a story of a, a pastor who came last year, and he was brought by, you know, one of the APAC people, and, and it changed his life. And he talks about it to his community now, but he didn't know about Israel when he first came here. So now he's an effective lobbyist, but first got to turn people on. And not everyone can, you know, not everyone knows. I think the fact that there is going to be 12,000 people lobbying tomorrow is very powerful, but would I say that's the sole intention of APAC Policy Conference? I wouldn't say so. So it's kind of convention-y then. Exactly. I would say so. I would say that it's a twofold goal. Okay, so so far, give us your highlights and lowlights. I think um, a highlight would have have to be last yesterday morning. I think yesterday morning, the beginning of the opening plenary session was fantastic. It was really fantastic. Um, it was informative. It was exciting. It was it was new. It was you know heart-wrenching at moments. I think I cried a couple times. Um, low lights. I have to speak low lights with the afternoon plenary. They, they did something interesting. They, they had foreign policy. They had someone from Italy and someone from Canada. And to be honest, that's not really relevant. To, I didn't feel it was very relevant to me, you know, what Italy is. Well, is it important for Israel to have friends everywhere? It is important for Israel to have friends everywhere, but I don't. I don't know if uh, that really affects, you know, like, I don't feel any more attached to them because of it. I don't feel any more excited about the cause because because of what they were talking about yesterday. It seemed to me, uh, I didn't really believe everything they were saying. So for me, it wasn't, it wasn't so exciting. So tell us about the student experience very quickly. Oh, they, you know, I think APAC's really good about giving us a good experience. Last night we had the student dinner, um, which was outstanding. Michael Orange came to spoke to us. He spoke to us privately uh, today. We're having a special Off the record, or can you share with us what he said? Oh, he was just talking about the importance of being a student and being involved, and he was talking about... He didn't give you a timetable when Israel's going to attack Iran? Uh, not yet, but I'm waiting for it. Okay. I'm kind of hoping that maybe, like, Ehud Brock will slip it out at some point. But so far, he's been quiet. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. I actually, I was hoping... One thing that I did say that I thought was awesome was, was this morning he was talking about how he's not asking America to go on another Iraq war. That's not what they're asking. They're asking for a one-night mission. You know, Israel wants to go in one night, attack the bomb, and that's it. They're not. They're not trying to get America into a, a third, you know, war. That so no, no make. ground war, just a surgery. Yeah, war. that's what I think. That's what I get the is message such, of. Is such a thing possible? I believe so. I've okay. done it before in 1980s, right?
I think so. I mean, why not? I think Israel, if any country can handle it, I think it's Israel. If any, if any two nations together can uh, get rid of this in one night, I believe it's Israel and America. Okay, so Judith, you're going to be back next month or in May with uh, April. Yeah. A April. April. Okay, April next month with uh, next with month. 200 students. 200 YU students. A lot of them will be their first time lobbying. And okay, I so is that any, how? What are the differences between that and this uh, policy conference? That is a lot more intimate. You know, when I go and lobby on Tuesday, I'm going to be sitting in a room with a bunch of like 200 other people. Um, and, and when they go, when the students go, it's, it's about four or five students speaking with either the, the congressman, the senator, or their staffer. It's a lot more intimate. There's dialogue. It's not one person speaking. It's not the member speaking and everyone listening or maybe asking questions. It's a lot of dialogue and presentation. And, uh, and I think it's a great way for people to make connections, but it's a great way for them to see the inside of how politics works. It's so exciting to go the inside of, of Cannon or one of the other buildings on Capitol Hill. You know, you've got this tingle inside of you. You see the white walls and you see everyone and the special official seals. It's not like sitting in a conference room from, you know, in a normal chair listening. It's a completely different experience. Understood. Okay, Judith, thank you for joining us. All right, we're here from APAC Village with Shlomo Zwickler from Beit Orot, and you might recognize that as a very popular location in uh, Nahum's uh, itinerary to Israel, uh, a pioneer, if you will, in the, in the city of Yerushalayim. And uh, what brings you to APAC this year? Well, this is one of the largest gatherings of Jews in the world, 13,000 people all here for one purpose, and that is to support Israel. So I figure it's a good place for a person like myself to be to bring the message of a united Jerusalem and try to garner support for that uh, in this realm. So the question I'm asking a lot of people is, is the idea that there's an agenda or it's kind of just a convention? You know, convention, a lot of Jews come together, so I ought to be here. But is there actually something, is this a policy conference? Is there something actually driving an agenda here? Well, I remember as a kid, uh, going back 25 years ago, coming to an APEC policy conference when it was much, much smaller. The venue was much, much different, much more intimate. And you actually mingled with policymakers, members of Congress, uh, congressional staffers, etc. And there was a sense that you were really having a impact on policy and on the diplomatic process. Um, today, it's become a much, much bigger event. I'd almost say that it's probably the world's biggest kiddish. Um, but, uh, and it certainly is a place to be a The food's better at most kiddish, but <laughs> I won't tell the caterer that you said that. Um, the uh, the I, I feel that it's a place to be because of the sheer magnitude of people that come together all for the purpose of supporting Israel, loving Israel. And it's a very important, if nothing else, what we would call in Hebrew, mifgan koch, which means a, a um, how would you translate that, a, a statement of strength in terms of the ability of the pro-Israel movement to really have an impact on American foreign policy. And that's critical to Israel's security and to its continued flourishing uh, in the world. Okay, but, and absolutely granted, and there's no question that, that that's what's happening, but if you look around from the speeches and the sessions, it's it's a lot of education going on, and there's definitely a lot of affinity, and it's a love fest, and it's all it's all great. But from the question of Israel security, is it all about the 12,000 people who descend on Capitol Hill tomorrow, or is there something a takeaway from the people here at this conference? Is there something they're going to go back with, something new as far as an agenda going forward till the next conference? I'm not sure you can specify a particular agenda that they're taking forward from one conference to the next, except that I think that this event has has become one in which they successfully generate new blood, new people to be involved in the political process and to enable them, therefore, by virtue of that involvement, to have an impact on their elected officials and to keep the relationship between the United States and Israel going strong forward. I don't think you pinpoint a particular issue because the issues are so dynamic and change so frequently. Right right now, I think the number one issue coming away from here is the issue of Iran, for example. Will Iran be the issue for the next conference? Well, if this conference is any is worth anything, and if they actually accomplish anything in terms of their pushing on that agenda, as you're suggesting, then it won't be an issue a year from now. And I guess we could all say halavai to uh, that uh, kind of a statement. Well, it, it remains to be seen. I'm feeling a little bit muddled on the Iran issue, though. I mean, what what is the, going forward, Marcia, what is the ask of the administration? What is the ask? Just stand by, or is there, you know, something real, something concrete? 
the administration, meaning the American administration? or The American administration. I think the Israel administration kind of has its idea about what they want. That's right. You're saying, what does the American administration want? What, what, or, what, or what is APEC trying to influence the American administration? Well, that's what we're here for, right? Well, it's historically, traditionally, the American, the is APEC's always been um, in line with whatever Israeli government position there's been. So whatever the Israeli government is trying to accomplish, APEC always tries to push the line in that direction. I would think that would be the case. And actually, right now, if you feel that it's a little bit cloudy and uncertain as to what the purpose of the conference is, it could very well have to do with the fact that Israel's government is in a transient position right now. Well, there is no government right now, actually. Well, there's what you call a caretaker government. Um, And, of course, the prime minister will be the same, but the the, um, policy lines, the new government have not yet been put into place, and I think that's why perhaps the whole conference has been muted this year, in the sense that the president didn't come and the prime minister didn't show up in person. A lot of uncertainty out there. So, And, and, and in fact, you also, one thing that I noticed is very striking is that you don't have uh, virtually no members of Knesset here either. I remember last year and the year before that. Oh. Very interesting. Actually, that's something you point out that I think that was missing. Some people were trying to put their finger on it, and I think that's precisely it. Yeah. It's not just the fact that Bibi is not here, but also the the members, aside from Ayud Barak, nobody else is here. And the reason Ayud Barak is here is because he is at least... He's leaving. At, at least it seems he's leaving. He's, he's bad out of politics. And by the way... He's, at least it seems. Let's uh, let's let's run into that for one second. Well, because in Israel, unlike in the United States, when you when you, when you you lose the big uh, the big chase, you sort of bow out with a, a bit of, uh, of, of elegance. In Israel, there's no such concept. In Israel, you can bow out. How many times did... Uh, I think Barak himself bowed out once or twice and came back. Um, so it remains to be seen, although it's very possible that he's gotten the message and he's determined that he can't be elected prime minister, which is the next step for him, and he's simply unelectable to that position. Therefore, he decided to go out on top, so, so to speak. But it, it's not beyond the realm of possibility that he can get the nod as a personal appointment, so to speak, a professional appointment of the prime minister, who's very close with him on a personal level, to be uh, to be a the defense minister again now or sometime in the future. So I, don't, I wouldn't count Ehud Barak out. On the same time, it would be for him, it would be smart. He'd become like the elder statesman, the, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the, uh, res- the um, what's the term? The uh, responsible adult, so to speak. Responsible adult in the room. Very good. Right. Let me ask you one final question. Sure. As far as I know time, your time is very precious, is that I thank you for, for coming. How is the policy conference viewed in Israel? I think the media puts big hype onto it, and it's uh, it certainly is projected as a major event and as something of significance on the domestic line in Israel. At the same time, uh, Joe Israeli in the street, I don't think that he relates to the policy conference so much as a big deal, but he does relate to APAC as a big deal. They don't know it by name, but they know it as you know these the the the, lo- the lobby it's known as the shtula in Hebrew um, in Washington. It's known to be very very powerful. Um, I think people don't really understand exactly the nature of the power, but uh, that's... A well, you, don't, you don't really have this type of thing in Israel, because uh, no. all interest groups are kind of represented in government. Uh, number Well, you do have lobbies in Israel that tend to be more economic lobbies, more, not economic, more corporate lobbies, okay. um, which uh, the same kind of thing exists here, you just don't hear about it so much. Uh, maybe you do, but in Israel certainly it exists, but the, the ideological lobby is less existent, it's more, it's, it's more behind the scenes and or it's more in the Knesset itself, in government itself. It's a different kind of animal, different kind of structure. Osama Zickler from Beit Orotz, thank you for joining us. I appreciate it. Maybe uh, when you're in New York, we'll uh, get you in the studio. Be happy to participate sometime. Great to see you, Michael. Fantastic. Vera, Chelsea, is this your first conference? This is my first conference. Okay, give us some first impressions from your first conference. Well, there's a lot of people, and I'm amazed at the amount of people who come out to support Israel, most of which, like have been non-Jewish, pastors, reverends. It's amazing. Anything else you want to specific, any specific speakers, any specific agenda items? I mean, what, 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 what do you feel you're doing here, your purpose? Okay, you're the future of the Jewish people, but what do you feel that you're going to take back or going forward? You're going to, maybe you'll just stay in Washington and, and lobby full-time, something like that? Well, personally, I'm very interested in medicine, and I think the Israeli innovations that, ha- that have been shown to us, the rewalk on the first day, that was an amazing thing that showed me, like that showed not only me but everybody here, how Israel is changing lives of people in the world, and people owe their lives and they and their happiness to Israel. And small country, it's a, it's amazing, right? The the amount of innovation coming out of such a small country. 
It is because also, and it's, so thus Israel, the small country in the Middle East, our only ally in the Middle East, is giving us all this. The least we could do is support it to continue its efforts. Okay. What what school do you go to? I go to Elon High School. Okay. And how many students are there? 150. How many students are here? One. So you are you are the sole representative. So what do you do when you go back? You're gonna they're gonna be an assembly and you're gonna talk and about your experiences here. Well, actually, my school lacks Israel advocacy. Okay. The, and after being at this conference, I've learned so much about Israel advocacy and how great Israel. Because I never actually had so much to back up my knowledge. I knew Israel was amazing. I knew it was great. But now I have physical evidence and knowledge to back up my love for Israel. So I could start clubs in my school and initiate classes to teach my fellow students about Israel. So they could, they too could be Israel advocates because it's so important that we have that. Absolutely. And your school? Uh, I go to Maori Yeshiva in Deal, New Jersey. Okay. About 40 kids. Okay. You guys are from the same neighborhood then? Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. we're from the same neighborhood. Okay. Uh, and uh, how many are here at this uh, at the APAC conference? One. Okay, so you are the sole, both the sole representatives. Okay, so tell us a little bit more about the group that, that, that you're with, and you know, what do you feel it's like, what, what, what does it mean to be trained as a leader? You know, the, the, the training, what does leadership mean to you? Um, to me, um, and actually, I was, I was speaking to a, to a pastor earlier, um, and, and, he, and he told me this, uh, leadership is, is someone who, who, who can be followed. In, in all um, in all seriousness, it's someone who can be followed, and a leader can follow someone into a, a direction of, of you know uh, blessing and, and amazing things, or they can you know they can be followed by by people to, to destruction. And and you as a leader are the one that's really making that choice. And you know he said that uh, he, he gave an example that. What he, Kids, some people are just born with it. He said, as a kid growing up, he would be okay. I'm going to climb that wall in kin- you know in kindergarten. I'm going to climb that wall now, and all these kids follow him. But he didn't tell them, you know, it was a bad idea if they're going to fall. Like, it's it's leadership is you you have to be very careful with with what you're. Um, I think you have to understand how many people are actually following you and how many people are listening to you as a leader. And it's, and it's extremely important to realize. Uh, how how much you can affect other people's lives? That's that's what they're on this world for. You you yourself. So you're holding a lot in your hands. I think it's uh, um, at a pretty young age right now. I mean, <laughs> what about you, Chelsea? Repeat the question. What what is leadership? I'm just saying, being trained for leadership. Uh, the, as far as so leadership is being able to be followed. It's. Well, let, let's change to a different question then, because uh, I, I know it's a little bit open-ended, so I apologize. Let me give a more specific question. You feel more or less concerned with with Israel right now um, going, after coming to the conference. So you, do, you, do you feel more of a sense of urgency and concern for Israel? Definitely. I've, I've, like, APAC has highly highlighted the issues Israel is currently facing. I knew Hamas. I knew Iran. I knew that there was all these things going on. But it, specific, it specifically showed me what's going on and what we could do to help Israel to survive through all the difficulties it's facing. Sure. And what about you? So I, I, actually, I would actually have to say uh, it, uh, the, the awareness it gave me about Israel, I, I honestly knew. Um, I I haven't specifically learned anything new, but what I have learned is what Chelsea said uh, and how important it is to spread it. Okay. And, yeah. Absolutely. Thank you very, very much, Chelsea Cormel, for not from TNAC, obviously. From Marlboro. From Marlboro, New Jersey, and Aaron Breslin from. Marlboro. Also from Marlboro, New Jersey. Thank you very much for joining us, and I hope you have a great time here. We're here with Farley Weiss, the national president of the National Council of Young Israel uh, from Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, we're here at the APAC conference. Uh, Farley, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Michael. It's good to be here. So tell us about uh, pro-Israel activism uh, in the Arizona area. Arizona has been very fortunate until uh, the last few months. We had probably two of the five best senators for Israel. Yeah, Senator Kyle and Senator McCain. Senator Kyle was Israel's best friend in the Senate for uh, for his uh, 18 years. And Senator McCain has really uh, picked it up to where he's probably one of the best uh, senators for Israel, maybe not, if not at the best right now. And He uh, seemed to have done a good job this morning. Fantastic. He is, uh, he, we honored him at our synagogue dinner uh, two years ago with the defense 
friend of Israel Ward. He has not only is he a friend, but his voice uh, makes the news. And so he, uh, when it was flotilla, when it's been most most anything with Israel, he stands up and speaks for Israel, holds press conferences, and he's just uh, been a tremendous person to have. And with Senator Kiowa, he was also someone who did tremendous things for Israel. And so we've been very fortunate in Arizona uh, to have them as senators. So a lot of people we speak to here from the New York, New Jersey area, as as you might imagine. But you're you're out there, and I think what you're highlighting is kind of the importance of the grassroots out there in every neighborhood, in every area, that there be activists like yourself. Yeah, one of the advantages of Arizona is that you can get to these people, you can speak with these people, and uh, meet with these people. And uh, how, how did that come to pass with you? You just decide one day you're going to pick up the phone, start calling your local congressman, senator. It's a matter of that you go to the APAC type events, you go to event, political action events, and these people speak to them, and they're because they're supportive, they, they like coming to these events. And I always uh, make it a habit when the speaker finishes to try to go up and speak with them myself privately a little bit, uh, either before or after they speak, and uh, you over time build up relationships with them. So I think what you're saying is something that's very important that probably a lot of people, whether they're here or whether they're probably more so if they're not here, is that most politicians are very accessible. Uh, much more than you than you realize in the sense of speaking to them, but you have to. Uh, it's not so easy to see them all the time. You get to see them at fair events, but you can build up relationships also with their staff, and their staff a lot of time decide policy for them. And uh, because representing them, they rely on their staff a lot. And um, you know, a long time ago, when uh, ten years ago, when Congressman Salmon was a member of Congress, uh, they actually would ask me to help them in a system on pro-Israel legislation and questions for people speakers, and it was a tremendous uh, thing to be involved with it. And I'm um, hoping to assist Congressman Salmon again. How many conferences have you been to? Uh, I think that I know it's it's over ten. Uh, probably. Do you 10. see a Do you see a difference in the in this one? Obviously, they moved to bigger quarters over the years. But uh, what what kind of qualitative differences do you see between uh, this year or the last couple and and conferences when you first started? Look, at the numbers going to 12,000 to 13,000 people, when I remember it used to be 2,000, it's just it's, it's monumental, the difference. Uh, there is no issue in Washington, D.C., in which the leaders of the Democratic Party with the Democratic president will publicly disagree with their president on, except for the state of Israel issues dealing with Israel. And, uh, and same thing for the Republicans when it was Republican president. It is a bipartisan, strong support for the state, especially from the leadership. And it's a, it's a tremendous thing to see how supportive they are and how knowledgeable, not just supportive, knowledgeable about the issues they are, because the APAC people especially meet with these people before they, when they start running at the beginning, teach them about Israel, get them on trips to Israel, and it makes a huge difference, and uh, we're very fortunate that APAC does what they do. So there are probably more yarmulkes at this conference than I've ever seen, certainly, and uh, you want to comment on the growth of the uh, number of Orthodox uh, people here at the conference uh, this year versus years past? Yeah, I think it's important, and I think it's only going to grow. I think the, in the Jewish demographics, Orthodox is the fastest growing, uh, with also non-denominational, and uh, and I think with it, we're going to continue to grow. And one of the goals for the National Council is to get more involved with APAC and APAC involved with the uh, Young Israel Shuls, because the Young Israel members, to uh, to my in my view, are the most knowledgeable about Israel-related issues and uh, can affect things with politicians in their hometowns uh, to a, a far greater extent because they already have a tremendous knowledge of the issues. So give us a, an idea of something you might be planning as far as with, together with APAC. Well, I'm hoping to have the uh, APAC people uh, to arrange for speakers and to speak themselves in the Young Israel Shuls. And, uh, and, and part of it is to uh, see if we can hopefully get congressmen and even maybe possibly senators to speak in the Young Israel Shuls and uh, to, to get the Young Israel members much more politically active because uh, we care about what happens in Israel. Okay, do you see APAC as putting a lot of resources into the Orthodox community? Yeah, they've hired a person, specifically Judah uh, Link Lindemann, who is specifically for this purpose to uh, help with the shuls, and uh, and we we want to have uh, help for it. And look at the Israel issue resonates. That's why there's so many people. There's no other event the entire year, to my knowledge, in Washington D.C. on any issue that attracts the people that the pro-Israel APAC event does. Yeah, definitely very very impressive. And uh, Father, I want to thank you very very much for coming on, and definitely an enlightening, informative discussion. And perhaps we'll have you. Uh, 
on from uh, from Phoenix uh, to cross uh, cross USA. But much warmer in Phoenix than it is here right now. But uh, um, but I really appreciate it. It's good to speak with you, Michael, and uh, success with your program. Thank you very very much, Farley Weiss, National President of the National Council of Young Israel, also joined by uh, Rabbi Benny Marilis, the Executive Vice President, also joining us here, but choosing to defer to his uh, to his president right now. Thank you very much. Here, we're here with Rabbi Daniel Cohen from Congregation Agudah Shalom, Stanford, Connecticut. And uh, Rabbi Cohen, you have been coming to the policy conference for a number of years. How many years has it been? Uh, about five years or so at this point. And we have about uh, 40 to 50 of our congregants so here as part of the delegation, number of teens, and uh, many adults as well. That's great. So how, how do you motivate people to come to the conference, or, or is, it, is it them who motivate you? I would say it started organically a number of years ago. We had a few congregants uh, that came, but it was not high on the agenda of the congregation. And then uh, I began to realize, and they did as well, that there's huge potential, potentially, particularly within the Orthodox community, uh, to really make a difference. We just read on Purim, where Mordechai says to Esther, Im, uh, would you have known... Uh, you know, at this time, uh, you're here for a particular reason. And I think uh, our congregation in particular wants to be active. They don't want to just sit on the sidelines. And APAC is a great vehicle to give thanks for the strong support that America has for Israel and also to educate us about how Israel is such a blessing to the world. So people don't always realize what kind of impact that they can have individually. And, and you could say that they're possibly squandering it by not, uh, by not being active. They don't necessarily need to come to Washington, but they have to. What can they do? What can you take home for your congregants? You have a pretty large congregation. What, what do you take home from this conference to, to kind of take them uh, to the next level? Honestly, one of the things that Vice President Biden spoke about this morning is the increasing delegitimization of Israel. And as he said, that's a war of words. Um, there's a lot out there. We can look into the news every day about people that are delegitimizing Israel, not appreciating uh, it's the only reliable ally for Israel. Israel's interests are America's interests. So constantly all the time, uh, when you see something that's being said, you write a letter to your congressman, you thank your congressman, you write into the paper, you stay informed. Um, it is really a battle of words, and I think that's something very concrete uh, that we can really uh, take to heart. Um, clearly also, we in our community, um, it's important for people to understand APAC is not a political action committee. It's a public affairs committee. It's bipartisan. And welcome into your congregation, your congressman. Thank them for their support. So a lot of or your U.S. senator at one point. U.S. senator, for sure. U.S. senator, Senator Lieberman, of course. Um, but there's a lot that we can do. Um, the home congregation, I should say, of your former U.S. senator at this point, uh, Joe Lieberman. We're going to get to that. We will get to that. Um, but again, you know, each one of us can definitely have an impact. I have two of my uh, teenagers that are here this year, and uh, just the, the opportunity that we each have to uh, take this message home, to motivate others, we cannot underestimate uh, the influence that each one of us can have. Uh, absolutely. Uh, talk for a second about the post-Lieberman uh, life in, in Stanford. Uh, and I, I don't mean that from necessarily Joe the person, but it, it is something special to have a member of your own community, a member of your own congregation as a United States senator. Uh, we're very blessed. I mean, he um, grew up in Stanford, Connecticut. His uh, mentor growing up was Rabbi Joseph Aaronkrantz. He should live and be well, who's now in Israel. And uh, Senator Lieberman has always had a warm place for Agudat Shalom. Um, it's a place where his parents were, and he has a long history there. And we, in certain ways, kind of take it for granted when he strolls into Shalom at this time, but really represents one of the most courageous uh, uh, politicians, really, of our generation in terms of his principled support for what's right, but also his menschlichkeit. Um, he truly is a model not only for the Jewish community, uh, but for all of America. Does uh, having him uh, in close proximity motivate people to be more active, do you think? I think it does. I mean, I think we feel we have a very close connection with uh, somebody who is very engaged on the political scene, and by virtue of him being there, that notion of the role of American politics in synagogue and Jewish life has always been on the forefront of people's minds. So I think it definitely has raised the awareness. Also, our synagogue has a long history where Aaron Krantz was very politically involved. And, um, you know, I'm just uh, thrilled the fact that every year we have more people that come. And uh, it really just speaks to, again, that idea of not only, by the way, a Purim theme, but we're coming up with the holiday of Pesach. God only split the Red Sea when Nachshon went in with the water. The source of mezuzah. God said, look, I'm not going to do anything until you take a risk to take the blood, to take that risk, to put it on the doorpost. Geula does not only happen when we wait for God to create miracles. We have to try to create miracles ourselves. And that's really one of the main messages of APAC that we hope to take home in the weeks ahead. 
Do you feel this year that there is a clear agenda, or is it is it more just about okay, this is important that we celebrate the relationship, the relationship's there, but trying to f- figure out exactly what the agenda there's no government yet in Israel we don't really know we don't who probably be the prime minister but we don't know what the government's really going to look like the some of the there's a new administration a little bit on the US side new far you know secretary of state a new defense secretary so there's a, there's a lot of things that are the Iran policy may or may not we're not sure exactly what it is I and mean, we heard different things this morning but do you, is it clear to people out there in the trenches what the agenda is I think so. You know, I had a conversation a couple of weeks ago with uh, Senator Blumenthal, you know, in advance of, uh, uh, you know, Hegel's uh, nomination. And one thing that he said to me is that, look, you know, no matter who's in the uh, position at that point in time, the pressure has to be continued to be intense in terms of really ensuring that America is there uh, for Israel. And you think, for example, about what's happening in Iran. Um, somebody said it very well today. Um, Israel is kind of like building a tent in the midst of a hurricane. There are nations that are really pushing us again, every side, and stronger military cooperation and sharing of intelligence is an agenda item for APAC. Stronger sanctions with a credible military option is an agenda item. And also getting the word out there that Israel is a blessing to the world. We read about what uh, one of the ministers of Turkey said recently, you know, where you talk about anti-Semitism against Israel. Israel is an orla goyim, enlightened to the nations. Be educated about the beautiful blessings. Yesterday we heard about a fellow from the Midwest, wasn't Jewish at all, because of Rewa, which is a company in Israel. He's a man that can now begin to walk again. Um, Israel is doing wonderful things, and it's also our responsibility to continue to press and help people understand how, as God tells Abraham, that we are a blessing. And that will create not only friends amidst the Jewish people, but friends amidst many countries across the world. Rabbi Daniel Cohen from Agudah Shalom, Stanford, Connecticut. Thank you very, very much for joining us. Thanks for your time. I, I'm here back at the APAC Village. Uh, we are at uh, Food Truck Stop North, and I'm here with Howard Nyman from uh, Hillcrest, Queens. Howard, uh, thanks for joining us here on Spin Class. My pleasure. So, Howard, how, how long have you been coming to uh, APAC policy conferences for? This is my first one, my wife and I, first first conference. Wow, first timer. So tell me what impresses you so far. The multiple levels of things that are going on here that that APAC is involved in, from, from security issues to lobbying issues to um, what's going on in health care, just all the different ways that the United States and Israel are connected that are coming to the fore over here. That's one part that's very impressive. The other part that's very impressive, this conference is like a three-day Ivy League crash course on what's going on in the Middle East. And and there are insights. I learned a lot here. I'm reading, you know, on Shabbat a little bit. I find some time to read. But but I'm, I'm getting a lot more information over here than I normally would. And I feel much more on top of what's going on and actually a little bit more at ease about what's going on in the Middle East, too, that there are people who do know what they're doing out there. And the so other- what motivated you to come? I mean, that, that, that's the basic question. So you were sitting at home. You could March 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th, I guess, uh, 3rd, 4th, and 5th. You could have been doing a lot of other things. What motivated you to be here yesterday, today, so tomorrow? I could have been doing my wife's birthday, too, which was yesterday. But we did it together here. Happy birthday to Rachel Diamond. <laughs> Thank you. What motivated me is the desire to not be an audience and just watch what's going on in the Israel arena. I, I wanted to be involved. I wanted me and my children to feel like there's there's a role for people to get involved, to have an impact, to be aware to the politicians. It, the the Congress has so much impact on what's going on, and APAC is such an incredible organic organization in the way they're able to make connections and educate and, and do so much to make sure that Israel stays safe and secure. Uh, very important to me as the son of a Holocaust survivor. So let's talk a little bit about Queens and the Orthodox community. This is your first time here, but I will tell you from my own experience, there are far more yarmulkes than there have ever been here. And uh, so what's a message uh, from your perspective as far as to the Orthodox community and why should they get involved and what, what is it about being here, being at the policy conference and being involved in APAC that's important from, uh, from the from person's perspective? There are a lot of shuls that talk about the importance of Israel. This is the way to uh, walk the walk, not just talk the talk. 
Um, there's maybe different ways you can get involved, but I think the most effective way to get involved on behalf of Israel and to ensure the security of Israel and the well-being of Israel and the well-being of the American-Israeli relationship is through APAC. It, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. It's done. It's an incredible organization, and I think this is this is the way to do it. I think all all um, my orthodox peers out there uh, who who care about Israel and many of them do. This this is a tremendous vehicle, and and their resources and, and their ideas and and their funding is very important to make sure that the Israeli American connection stays strong. Are there others from your shul here? It is, uh, is it a group or it's uh, you guys uh, here on your own? Chalutzim. We're, we're the pioneers. I think. Okay. What about from other people in Hillcrest? Do you, uh, you have other or Garden Sills, neighboring I, neighborhoods? I haven't, I, I haven't seen anybody here that I know, but I'm hoping to make that uh, different. I've started to talk a little. So they have some work to do. That's what you're saying. To, you have to some work to do in is. Central Queens. Jason Capel is the Queens coordinator, and I'm going to be working with him. Uh, and he's got some other folks in some of the other Queens communities. I'm going to try to get something going because I think this, this is a real important investment. Uh, of spiritual and, and financial and mental energy. Absolutely. And uh, what about the rabbis, the local rabbis? There, there are a lot of rabbis here, Orthodox rabbis from around the country. Uh, what about from your neighborhood? They are sure are busy with whatever it is that. They well, Pesach is coming up. I, I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't <laughs> suggesting to not excuse it. I know that there's a lot to do. I was just wondering if, uh, just from a factual perspective, not from an opinion from, perspective. No, I haven't. There's no. I have not met anybody here. I know. So this is. So you would say that the Central Queens, Eastern Queens area is probably fertile territory for 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 APAC right now. Yes, I think so. And that that's that's the effort that, that Jason and APAC is trying to work together to create something with uh, with Queens now. Okay, fantastic. Well, I really appreciate you uh, being on with us, and uh, good luck to you, and happy birthday, and uh, hopefully uh, you'll be able to come back. If not, in Yerushalayim next year, as was said earlier, uh, you'll be back here next year. To Washington, I would like to encourage anybody who's listening, uh, who's from uh, Hillcrest, uh, Fresh Meadows area, to, to please try and make the effort to get involved with APAC. More to come. Thank you very much. Welcome back to Spig Class, and we are here at the APAC Policy Conference 2013. I'm Michael Fragan. I'm here with Joshua Fidman from YU, Yeshiva University, and we are just kind of having some live conversations with some of the delegates here, and especially some of the student delegates who are, as identified by uh, Vice President Joe Biden, the next generation of advocacy, the next generation of the strengthening of U.S.-Israel relationships. So, Josh, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for having me. So tell us about what brought you here. What brought you to D.C.? This is your second conference, correct? Correct. Uh, I was here once in high school, and now I'm proud to be back here a second time on the Friedman Scholarship. Uh, I believe it's imperative for every, uh, every Jew to be involved because we've been, you know, we've been uh, subjugated to, to such an extent in other countries and not, not allowed to participate in the political dialogue. And to actually be in a country where, where we have that opportunity, I think it's, it's a shame to waste that. So you brought up a very important thing. Is, you know, we've, we've talked about it on the show before. It's kind of people don't vote. It's, it's like a shocking thing, right? The very basic. You're talking about people in other countries, they, you know, Jews, and for many hundreds of years couldn't vote, couldn't participate in the political process. So you're really taking it to another level by not just being an engaged person but actually coming to D.C. and advocating. So tell us about advocating and why you feel, even at your age, when you're kind of looking for the next step in life, why it's so important to come and advocate for Israel. Well, first of all, it's just we have this opportunity that our our delegate our uh, delegates to Congress they want to hear what we have to say, and you know that's one of the things that APAC stresses is, is that it's they say that yes you can give a t like a ton of money to a campaign you can give you know X Y and Z but to actually go and talk to a congressman show you're involved show that you're show that you're coming you know uh, next next month we hope to bring from YU 220 students uh, to to lobby the members of Congress it's not about you know it's not about what we're giving to them. It's that we're, we're saying that we care about we care about this, and you know, just being here, just being involved, shows that you care. Shows that they shows that they should care about your opinion because, you know, they they want to know what you what you think because you know either uh, you know you could say cynically they want their your vote or you could say, you know, idealistically like I do that they just 
that's the fundamental They, they want to do the right thing, and they, they want to be responsive to their constituents and, and, and the like. So that's the obviously very important thing. I think, you know, as we, we've talked about before, it's guaranteed by the Constitution, the right to redress, and the right to show up before you're elected officials. I think a lot of people feel that Congress really doesn't listen these days. So uh, maybe on this issue, you're going to go and lobby on the Hill tomorrow. What are you, what are you expecting? I'm expecting a... a, a Tremendous reception. I have my, my congressman uh, Peter King has been a staunch supporter of uh, the U.S.-Israel relationship, and my senators uh, Kristen Gillibrand and um, Chuck Schumer have been amazing, amazing supporters of Israel. Gillibrand just just spoke and made a wonderful speech um, about the importance of Israel's uh, defense, defense and uh, its position in the Middle East. And uh, you know, I'm proud to have them as be my delegates to Congress. So. What is it that concerns you right now? You, you hear, you've showed, you decide, you show up, but the, there have to be issues that animate you, that, that make you feel that I need to be here, right? That's, so what are those issues right now? Well, first I'd say just bipartisanship. One of the beautiful things about APAC is that they, they just stay in the middle of, in the middle of the road. They don't say Israel's a, you know, Republican issue. They don't say, uh, you know, Israel's a Democratic issue. They say it's an American issue, that we're all Americans. We all need to be here. We all need to discuss. And I think that just, it's an example of what democracy should, should strive for, is that people should come, you know, People should come and, 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 and talk about things. And, you know, that seems to be broken in Congress at this, at, at this point. Um, you know, also, just what's going on in the Middle East, I want, you know, to ensure that, is, you know, Israel's safety, um, you know, and, and security worldwide and human rights, obviously, um, for, for the other, for the other uh, members of the other nations. Um, do, do you feel the administration has, has a policy on Iran right now? Do you think that there's something, I mean, a lot of people seem to feel that there's, you know, we don't know what to do. Do you, do, do you feel from this morning that you feel a little bit hopeful or you feel a little bit pessimistic about Iran? I definitely feel hopeful, Michael. Um, I mean, uh, Vice President Biden made it explicitly clear that there's a, a, a line in the, in, in the sand that if Iran crosses it, that President Obama is not bluffing that we will go, we will do what, what, what is necessary. And I think that's, that was an important thing to, to stress. And I so nothing is, nothing is off the table, I think. That's what he's yeah. getting at. Okay. That's it. How many students came uh, to the conference? From, from uh, YU? Or? Well, from YU and elsewhere. I mean, I've heard yeah, 2,000, yeah. and that's just wonderful. You're doing a lot of networking while you're here? Oh, of course. <laughs> so from what, what other campuses are you meeting people for? Um, I've been meeting, I met someone from Harvard the other uh, yesterday, and I met someone from Dartmouth. I met um, a couple of people from Cornell. I met um, a, lot of, a lot of people from NYU, uh, a very nice young man from Brandeis, some very interesting, like, creative people. I, I mean... One thing that's just beautiful is that also, you know, people think like, you know, may, you know, uh, you have certain people who seem to label APAC as the quote-unquote Jewish lobby. There, there are hundreds of students from that are not Jewish, not not uh, not don't even have a Jewish relative, no Jewish uh, connection, and they're still here and they still care about Israel. And I think that's a that's a very right. Important I think that was something unfortunate that was uh, Chuck Hagel uh, said. Yeah. I think that, that that's been out there. We, were you surprised that Hagel didn't get a mention this morning? I was very surprised, actually. I thought President uh, Vice President Biden was going to he might gonna might, talk might have said that. something about it. You know, kind of uh, smooth things over. Uh, maybe some of the ruffled feathers out there. Yeah, I, I mean... Okay, yeah. look, it's not uh, more of a comment than a question, yeah. but uh, just, just next steps for you. What do, what do you... How does, a, how does somebody who's in the university leverage being here at the conference for their, you know, for their future plans? Well, first of all, uh, you know, you talk, to, you talk to your congressman, you go to the lobbying missions that, the, that APAC arranges, you try to talk to as many staff members. There are hundreds of people here, but I think even also more importantly... You know, to realize that the peop the students here are the next, are the future, e either in business or in politics, and and you know, to talk to these people and build a relationship, even just a friend, a, a friendship later on in life. That's that 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 can that can come and help. You. Well, thanks, Josh. I really appreciate your time. And uh, anything else you want to tell the folks back at home? Uh, just go out and vote. Be involved. And, and come next year. And come next year. Okay, excellent. I want to make sure we fill up this uh, this uh, this convention center. I think there were is. one or two seats that I saw that were empty, <laughs> but not, certainly not too many. Josh, thanks for joining us here on Spin Class. We thanks. hope to have you back. Thanks. We're here with Robert Bray at the APAC 
Policy Conference 2013. Robert is here. And what number of conference is this for you? This is my third consecutive APAC Policy Conference. Third consecutive. Okay. So what kind of streak are we going for? I hope to come back every year until uh, until the day that, I, that I'm in the grave. Okay. Robert, that's kind of morbid right now, but let's uh, let's just talk for a second about what brings you here and uh, what brought you here the first time. What brings you back? I'm an ardent, I'm an ardent Zionist, and uh, I'm here to support the robust America-Israel relationship. Uh, I believe in uh, in Jewish nationalism and and the contributions that Israel has to offer to the world and to the United States of America. And I'm here to further that that partnership. Okay, and you're here obviously as a student, and you've been here, and there are a lot of other students. Do you feel, as an old hand, you've been here three years in a row, that you can guide some of the other students as they show them the ropes a little bit? So compared to the, the students that have only been here a year or two, I'm I'm a veteran, and uh, and they're senior, and they uh, they should uh, follow my advice. Yeah. They definitely they should they should defer to you. Okay, so uh, is that on issues of policy or just kind of what is good to eat and what's not so good? I'm an all-purpose expert on many many areas of of, of life. Okay, so tell me a little bit about uh, political activism in your view. You're, you're in college, you got a lot of free time in your hands, and that, you know, obviously. So, uh, what does it mean to be politically active and uh, the, on behalf of Israel, or maybe uh, politically active otherwise? It means you have a certain uh, values set, and you're interested in, in seeing those values furthered in the world. Okay. You, f- you find that your cohorts, uh, colleagues, uh, fellow students are not the ones that are here, maybe the ones who aren't here are more apathetic these days, less apathetic. You know, is there, there's no, it's not an election year. So, Yeah, I, I, it's been my experience that more and more people are becoming politically involved, and that's, and that's definitely a positive thing. I, I have noticed, largely due to the, the major cleavages, uh, on policy issues that uh, we're dealing with today, I have noticed that more and more people are becoming politically active. Whether or not they're becoming wiser as a populace, that is, uh, is another question which I'd love to answer as well. Okay, um, so tell me, are we becoming wiser as a populace? <laughs> uh, some certainly are. The, the access to, to information due to... In- Improvements in technology is profound, um, but uh, but the trends uh, I've noticed in the, in the international community, and especially domestically, uh, have been disquieting and um, and uh, disconcer- disconcerting. So, what are your plans for uh, post college? Is it is a politi- politics as a profession, or you're just going to want to be politically active on the side, or you're obviously, it seems like you're going to be an avid voter and an avid attendee of the uh, sure. conference, but is, uh, is this something you want to pursue on a full-time basis? I, I, politics is, is certainly an interest of mine and will be for the rest of my days. Whether or not I pursue it as my primary vocation, that's to be determined. Um, I have an interest in it. Um, currently interning for Israel's Foreign Service at the moment uh, in New York City. Uh, at the mission to the UN? Is uh, that the no, war no, in the in, consulate? In the consulate. Okay. The consulate. Okay, that's great. How, how do you go about getting that type of uh, gig? I actually met the consul general at an event at West Point Military Academy, and he sent me up with the head of public diplomacy, and I interviewed with him, and uh, we agreed to work together, and it's been an incredible six months. And what do you do there? I work for Gil Liner in public diplomacy. Okay, I'm saying, but what are your functions? Is it uh, what, so, define public diplomacy for the uninitiated? Public, public diplomacy is. I mean, you would figure everything in the consulate is diplomacy, right? They are diplomats. Sure, absolutely. No matter what uh, what area of the government you're working in, having diplomatic skill is certainly an asset. Um, the specific area that I work in is tasked with communicating Israel's narrative to the Western media, to the Western world, to Western governments, to the general population. So Israel's government decides to take a particular action uh, or not, uh, decides to refrain from taking a particular action, and uh, it's our, our, our responsibility and our job to explain to the American government. So Hasbara, basically, is that the... Uh... Right, yeah, basically, pub- pub- public relations, yeah. Okay, so that's always been considered, at least on the street, to be one of the shortcomings of Israel's foreign service. Sure. You want to 
You want to take take the ball that one? Yeah, no, I uh, I I agree. Are, are you there to you know kind of strengthen it and augment it and you know, revolutionize it and hope, add your perspective? I hope so. I hope so. I, I agree with you. It has always been a weakness and. and uh, and we have struggled to communicate uh, our narrative. I'm a firm believer that uh, any honest look at Israel's narrative will will uh, will demonstrate this story of tremendous nobility and honor and courage, and that anybody that knows it and knows it well will have nothing but the most profound respect for for the country and the challenges that it's faced throughout the years. Um, but yes, they they have had a PR problem. And um, and the, the employees that uh, that I work with are doing an incredible job at um, at uh, broadening the conversation. Meaning the conflict, yes, it's a part of Israel's story, but it's not the only part. And Israel is doing unbelievably unbelievably impressive things. There's more to Israel than just war. Absolutely, the, wow. Israel is doing extraordinarily impressive things in such a wide variety of areas, areas that can benefit all of humankind, that uh, that the people should know about it and partner with Israel in so many different areas in order to improve, improve humankind and improve society and improve uh, the United States of America, speaking as an American citizen. Sure. One last question for you is uh, how do... There's always this perceived disconnect that's always talked about between Israelis and American Jews, right? That they're not always on the same page as far as, and there's, I wouldn't say distrust, but there's a little bit of an arm's length. So you're, you're seeing, you have a perspective from both sides, a very interesting perspective because you're, you're university, university students, so you have, have very few preconceived notions, I would imagine, but you're also working on the inside at the consulate, but you're a product of your own environment as an American Jew. So uh, maybe comment on that? Yeah, you know, there are definite personality differences between Americans and Israelis. Uh, uh, For one thing, that, you know, we're very isolated here in in the United States of America. We're the most powerful nation in the world militarily. Nobody could challenge us. We have wonderful neighbors. Uh, Canada to the north, Mexico to the south, fish to our east and west, as the saying goes. So we're we're in a real comfortable comfortable position here in the United States. So we radiate radiate com- comfort and uh, superiority and arrogance and all those other qualities that come from being the the biggest and baddest military on the planet, uh, along with being in such a such a position of isolation geographically. Israel's on the knife's edge. They're, uh, they're, they're, they're battling real vicious enemies on all of their borders, just real vicious enemies of not only the Jewish state, not only of Israel, but of, of civilization, of humanity, of everything we hold dear as, as Americans and as Westerners. Um, so they're, uh, they're, you know, they're having to, to face those, those challenges on a daily basis, and, uh, it, it, you know, it... It has the effect of developing a, a different kind of uh, relationship. Right. Do you ever feel that the people in the consulate might not understand the American Jewish community, the New York Jewish community at all? Uh, I mean, you know, the American Jewish community. Do you have to explain things to them? Let's put it that way. <laughs> the, you know, the American Jewish community is not monolithic. There are certainly uh, different elements of it. Um, yeah, I've seen a couple of different looking people around yeah, here. I'm sure, so, I'm sure the, you know, the Israeli government is very appreciative of this American Jewish community that is right here in Washington, D.C. at the APAC Policy Convention. Welcome to, back to SPIN class. We have Josh Brzezinski here uh, from the Orthodox Union, regional director for New, the state of New Jersey, and a fantastic region that is. Uh, Josh, we've had you on before, and we are now in D.C., so uh, we're a little bit out of your element, right? Are, are we not? Oh, thank you, Michael. It's a pleasure to be back here with you again. You know, D.C., New Jersey, the whole country is part of my element. And today at the APAC event where you have representation from all over the country, even from Israel and around the, around the world, you know, it's part of our element. Any place that a – this is a place for Jews from all over the world, and this is, I guess, part of New Jersey too. Oh, so, so the fact is there are a lot of 
constituents here. Is uh, is the APAC policy conference kind of an extension of a lot of the work that you do? Is it complementary? Is it kind of is, is it different? Is it a different type of activism, or is it just good to get people engaged on every level? I think APAC, first of all, has a tremendous uh, way of doing things, uh, you know, and generating enthusiasm and getting support from both the community and from the elected leadership on the national level. It's something to, you know, it's definitely to try to replicate on the state level, like we're trying to do in New Jersey for educational affordability. But I think it's an opportunity also to meet many of the uh, of the leaders that you know we work with that we share, and to show that you know we're not only a one issue organization, or at least not in New Jersey. But, you know, the strength of the uh, state of Israel and its people and the protection of its people and the relationship between the United States and Israel is of the utmost importance to us as well. So. Absolutely. So would could we look at this as kind of a first step in the door for a lot of people, that they get energized uh, to be active politically from the Israel issue, and hopefully we can transform them into activists on, on some of the uh, domestic issues, or is it, is it a diff- different animal altogether? You know, it's it's a great it's a great way to get people enthusiastic in the first place. To be in a room with 13,000 fellow Jews on, on one topic is great. Well, they're not all Jews here, right? I keep hearing that. So 13,000 fellow like-minded individuals on, on one topic is, is definitely enthusiastic. And you know, like someone once told me in the world of fundraising, if a person's a giver, they'll give to all over the place. They'll give to many different uh, initiatives and many different organizations. And I feel the same way with uh, getting involved in advocacy work. If you're involved in Israel, you can be involved on the state level and vice versa. So I think it absolutely makes sense for people to be in uh, both places. Okay, because APAC's not coming to the OU events, right? So that is there any type of – is it a synergy or is it a what, – what, what's the relationship between OU and APAC? Well, you know, in the past, uh, I think the OU has worked together with APAC on the Israel issue. I mean, listen, APAC is the biggest – there's no question about that. And we worked together with them on, on this initiative. In fact, last year I spoke on behalf of APAC and TNEC at the TNEC Shabbaton that they had before the policy conference trying to get people to come. I was a, a guest speaker for APAC. So, yeah, we do work together with APAC. I believe the two organizations do have a synergy and uh, it can work well together. Excellent. So let's just talk for a second about the domestic agenda and how, how important that is uh, for constituents. And I, I've seen, actually, you had a great reception last week with uh, New Jersey Votes. That's the appropriate organization. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and what you've been doing there. Well, we've had a, uh, we're trying to get the community and the, le- and the legislative leadership together, you know, showing each one that they can work well together for the sake of our uh, community and, edu- and the issue of uh, educational affordability. Last week in Trenton, we had a leadership, legislator slash leadership meet and greet where we brought 70 leaders from Jewish communities from across the state together with 40 or so legislators, and they met in the Trenton Marriott after the governor's budget address, and it was a very relaxed, cordial atmosphere where they, they just spoke about the issues, and, and, and not in, a, in any sort of confrontative way, but in a, in a very relaxed way. And I believe this is the way we're going to start getting our message across, by meeting with legislators in, in these types of events and, and bringing them into our community and showing them our schools and our schools and what have you, and, and letting them see that we're a vibrant organization, but we do need their help. Where do you think – what, what's the next big step in New Jersey for uh, vis-a-vis uh, education? What's the, what's the next big initiative? Well, right now we have a special education initiative. We have a, a bill that would allow school districts to send kids to uh, accredited uh, religious special education schools, which right now they can't. They can only send them – if they send the kid to a non-public school, it only can be a non-sectarian or non-religious non-public school. And that has really hurt a lot of families that need uh, a, you know, a school like Sinai for their children. And this bill will allow a school district – doesn't mandate it, but will allow a school district to send the kid to a school like Sinai. And we're very excited about it. It passed the Assembly Education Committee. It's going to the Senate Committee and the floors of both houses. And we have a lot of support. A lot of legislators have sponsored and co-sponsored this bill. And we're very hopeful that it will pass by June and, and, and mean a lot to a lot of families. Do you any, spend any time here with the non-Orthodox New Jerseyans who are here, who are you know, politically active, who might be in 
inclined to support some of your domestic or sorry some of your state level initiatives yes absolutely we meet them we meet them I meet them in New Jersey at federation meetings and other organizations that we work together with and I think you know they start to understand they're understanding this issue as well it's not just the Orthodox day schools the Shechdu day schools they have parents that go to you know send children to those schools that are you know overburdened by this very high cost and they, you know we work together to try to get the state to help us it's, it's, a, it's an issue it's not a Republican or Democrat issue it's not a Orthodox conservative issue it's a communal issue it's for kids and when we, if we can work together for that for that initiative so be it and hopefully we'll succeed okay 2013 Bono or Christie you know that's a tough question that's a it, tough, of course a tough question now that's where that, we're going to end with that so thank you very much Josh Brzezanski <laughs> I really appreciate you uh, being on and uh, we will uh, look forward to continuing the relationship Thank you for joining us for the special edition of Spin Class Politics with Michael Fragan and a couple parting thoughts. Number one, obviously, as was mentioned, this was a lower energy affair, not APAC's fault. But last year, of course, was a presidential election. There was Barack Obama and kind of a referendum on his pro-Israel ship. The Republicans, Mitt Romney, tried to make a big deal and tried to drive a wedge between the Democrats and the Jewish community, particularly the pro-Israel Jewish community. And I think APAC last year was precisely, at least the attention in APAC was precisely with regard to that issue. Number two, the presence, the palpable presence, significant showing amongst Orthodox, growing, growing presence of Orthodox Jews at APAC every single year. And that is something that you see not just with the yarmulkes, but the kinds of yarmulkes as well. It's not just the kippahs regards. You see more Haredi-looking Jews there as well. But one thing to point out is amongst those, I saw a tremendous, significant amount of Jewish professionals, not necessarily Orthodox lay people, because as one of our interviewees pointed out, there seemed to have been pretty much nobody from Central Queens, from large Orthodox Jewish communities. I didn't see many people that I knew from the five towns for Rockaway area. In fact, very, very few. It seems certain that a lot more people go to the NORPAC conference, to the NORPAC mission, if you will, in May. So that was one thing. The OU had a significant presence, very, very significant. And they have a large partnership with APAC, and let's see how that evolves. That was mentioned also earlier. And the third point, I would say, is that it was more convention, if you will, than policy conference. There were no big policy initiatives. Nobody was kind of waiting around to see if the administration was kind of changing policy on Iran, if they were adopting a new policy at all. It was a Jewish conference. A lot of people came together, networking, solidarity, activism, engagement. And I think that final word is specifically what it's about. 13,000 people all politically engaged, all stripes, all religious types, from the most religious to not religious at all to the most secular, Jewish, non-Jewish, Israeli, non-Israeli students, senior citizens, a wide cross-section. I don't think there's any other event in the Jewish calendar that attracts such a wide audience. And for that, you have to give credit to the organization and to the conference itself for putting on a mega event. And that's truly what the APAC conference is. It's a mega event of the Jewish calendar. If you haven't been, it's worthwhile to go. And certainly, you should certainly think about going as far as raising your own personal level of activism and engagement and political involvement. That's it for this week, a special edition of Spin Class Politics with Michael Fragan. Look forward to speaking to you on our regularly scheduled show, Thursday nights, 8 p.m. on the Nachum Siegel Network, nachumsegel.com, jmandtheam.org.